Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dear Saints, dear Will and Kaylee, and most especially dear Shepherd, grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Apart from Christmas and Good Friday and Easter, this Sunday, today, the third Sunday of Easter, sticks out in people's minds. And it's become one of the most memorable and beloved Sundays in the church here. And it's not because anything extraordinary happens today or there's uh, an obscure text or anything like this. It's simply because all of the scripture readings that you heard and that are assigned for the day speak of God as our dear shepherd and as we being his dear lambs. That's why this Sunday has been come, to, uh, come to be called Good Shepherd Sunday. In Latin, the title of this Sunday is Misericordias Domini, which is Latin for the merciful or loving kindness of the Lord. And these things go together so well because the very way that God describes his own loving kindness, his mercy towards us, is by comparing it to a shepherd and his sheep. Uh, and of all the images of the, Christian, uh, of the Christian life that the Christian has of God, that he has of Christ, of all of the images in mind about Jesus, this image of God as our shepherd is the one that sticks out the most. It's the, it's the most memorable. It's ingrained deeply in our hearts. Now, this Sunday has become even more beautiful because we also witnessed God gather to himself another little lamb, a sheep, uh, in holy baptism, our newest and littlest member, Shepherd Green, who is named after what Jesus is to him. Today, we witness Jesus gather Shepherd into his flock and make him his own. And usually, I spend the first part of the sermon preaching about the baptism, but Today, I'm going to preach about that at the end. So I'm going to preach on the text, on two things. The text, John chapter 10, uh, first, and then his baptism. And what that means for you. Why it is such an immense comfort. It's, un, it's incomparable. All right, so in John chapter 10, uh, the gospel lesson that you heard for today, Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, Jesus is the good shepherd, not apart from his bitter suffering and death, not apart from his pain, not apart from his bloody sweat and tears. He is the good shepherd by means of it or because of that. Because I lay down my life in this way, I am the good shepherd. Then Jesus continues in verse 14 and he says this. He says these words, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is the verse that I really want to focus on today, uh, when he continues and says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. I want you to pay very, very close attention to what Jesus says here. He says, I have other sheep 
present tense. And then he goes on to say, I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Future tense. And that doesn't make sense. We would expect the tenses to agree. We'd expect Jesus to say something. Look, I have other sheep now and I know this because they've already heard my voice or they hear my voice. So I just need to go out and gather them. I need to go get them. Or for him to say, look, I will have other sheep because they will have my voice. I don't have them yet, but when they hear it, then I'll have them. That's what we'd expect Jesus to say. But he doesn't. He says, I will have them. He doesn't say, I will have them, or one day I hope to have them. He says, I have them now. So in John chapter 10, both of these things are true. This tension remains. There are people that, who have not yet heard or listened to Jesus' voice, who one day will but have not yet. And yet, even though they don't know it, the Lord presently has them. He has had them. This was true 2,000 years ago when Jesus first said it, and it is true even before the foundation of the world. I'll, I'll explain this another way. It's as if Jesus told his disciples that day, if he wanted to get into specifics and say, look, I have other sheep. That means that in a very long time from now, there's a group of people that haven't even been born yet. But they're all going to live in this place called uh, the United States. And they're going to be in this state, uh, Florida, and they're going to live around Winter Garden. And what no one knows yet is that all those people uh, you see there gathered together in my name, they're mine. In fact, they have been mine since before the foundation of the world. And I'm going to go get them. When two or three of them are gathered in my name, I'm going to be there. I'm going to gather them together. I'm going to show up every single Sunday, speak with my word and my voice. And they're going to listen to my voice. Why? Because they are my sheep. That's how I'm gathering them together. They know my voice. And I will be there in my flesh and my blood, my body and my blood. And I will tell them how I have laid my life down for them long before they were born. And I know them now, but soon they will know me. Do you see this? This is true not only of you saints here in Winter Garden, this flock. It is true of every flock in the world that has been gathered in the name of Jesus through all time, in every country, in every city, in every place. Anyone who has gathered in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, trusting in him for salvation alone and not their works or their merits, but in his blood alone to save them. He says, those are my people. Those are my sheep. And this is true of every person who has not yet listened to the voice of Jesus, even to the end of the world. That Jesus has had us even before we could know it. In theology, this is what we call eternal election uh, or predestination for salvation uh, or single predestination. There's, there's many names for it, but it's talking about this thing. And it's not just this text. It is throughout the scriptures. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Acts chapter 13, verse 48. Romans 8, 28. Matthew 16, 18. 
Matthew 25, almost the entire chapter. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. John 10, 28, the, the lesson for today. Even the first chapter of Ephesians and so on. There's, there's many, there's plenty of verses like this. In fact, I'm just going to read you the text from Ephesians chapter 1. And it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. That is clear. That is understandable. All of this is what the Bible clearly teaches, that the Lord chose you in Christ from before the foundation of the world. Now, I want to show you how great of a comfort this is. That this is the greatest and most beautiful comfort imaginable. This means that you are not the Lord's sheep because you believe and follow him. Rather, you believe and follow him because you are the Lord's sheep. You don't belong to Jesus because you believe in his word. You believe in his word because you belong to Jesus. Do you see this? In time, he called you by his word, but in eternity, you have been his now you see yourself in the church, but the, the Lord has seen you here in this, on this very day. He knew Shepherd would be uh, baptized on this very day long before, long before you took your first breath. Just like a, a father and a mother know of their child, just like Will and Kaylee know and uh, little Shepherd and love him even now, years before he could know it or articulate it, in an even greater way, God has known us and loved us before we could realize it or even express it. And I want you to treasure that in your hearts, that God knows everything. He knows all things, every outcome of any decision, any thought, any action. Before the foundation of the world, he also knew all of your sins. He knows the ones even that you will commit later today and even tomorrow and the day after and even until your final day. He has known them, and he knew of your selfishness, he knew of your drugs, he knew of your drunkenness, he knew of your abortion, your infidelity, your anger, your rage, your covetousness, he knew of your faithlessness. He knew how much pain we would bring to him. And even knowing all of these things before you could even do these things, before you could sin, the Lord loved you and arranged for your salvation. He said, I have you and you are mine and you don't know it yet, but one day I will make sure you know how much I've loved you. And that also means that even before you did any good work, before you were a Christian, before you prayed for the first time, before you ever read the Bible, before you stepped foot in church or put one penny in the offering plate, even before you were baptized, 
God had planned for your salvation apart from your works or any decision on your part. Even before you had faith, God had you. This is a mind-blowing thing. And what this means in all of this together is that not one of your sins and not one of your good works plays any part in the Lord's decision to save you and make you his own. Not one of your works, no matter how good and great and wonderful your works may be, not one of them motivated the Lord to save you. And that means, dear saints, that not one of your sins, no matter how awful or unforgivable as they may seem, could deter him from spilling his blood for you and forgiving you and saving you. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, as Titus 3 says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not by works, as Ephesians 2 says. Not a thing you have ever done or ever will do will earn the grace and mercy of God to you. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that people are saved even if they don't have faith. What I am saying is that if you have faith, it is because the Lord gave you that faith. I'm not saying that even unbelievers will be saved. What I'm saying is that those who believe do so because Jesus gave them the faith to believe. There's so much I could preach on in this text, but I want to address now what happened this morning, uh, the baptism of Shepherd. And Shepherd, I, I know you don't know or understand what I'm saying right now, uh, but one day you will. And so I'm recording this sermon and writing it down so you can hear it when you're older. And on top of that, you have a great one and wonderful mom and dad who will tell you each day how much God loves you. Uh, in fact, I have spoken to your father, Shepherd, to Will about eternal election. And we've been meaning to talk more about this. So we're going to we should get beer and talk more about it. It's a good thing. We've marveled at this this teaching of the scriptures, how beautiful it is. Uh, how exactly it works, I, I don't know, <laughs> um, but how profound and deep it is and what the scriptures say. Well, uh, and, and so that means I'm sure that we'll, uh, we'll talk to you, Shepherd, about this very thing and have that same conversation. Well, Shepherd, today you were baptized. And the truth is you were baptized because you needed to be. Because you were conceived in sin and you were brought forth in iniquity like the rest of us. And that means that before your little legs could take a step, they were already headed in the wrong direction. Before your little heart was beating, your heart was bound to stop beating. Before you could realize it, that wolf, the devil, set out to devour you in condemnation, and he was determined to destroy you and drag you down with him to hell forever. That is all true. And yet before the devil could plan that, God worked out your salvation. And so your dear Lord took all of your sin, shepherd, from your whole life, the ones you haven't even sinned yet, all of your iniquity, all of your guilt. And he took it upon himself and he let the wolf devour him instead. And he let the devil sink his fangs into his hands and feet instead of yours. 
And your dear Lord, your good shepherd, laid his life down for you. Shepherd, long before you took your first breath of air, long before your little heart was beating, long before the first cell of blood coursed through your veins, Jesus was determined to save you. In fact, before a ray of light shone in the darkness, before a grain of sand was formed, God ordained and orchestrated your forgiveness and salvation. While you were in your mother's womb, Jesus knew you. And before this world existed, Jesus had you. And today in your baptism, shepherd, Jesus tells you that it is so. Today we saw what God had in mind all those years ago. What he had in his heart. We saw publicly here today. God speak it into our ears and into our hearts. What he thought of and had in his heart long ago. Namely, that he forgives you, that you are his child, and that you always will be. So Will and Kaylee, when Shepard grows up and he starts to ask you great and wonderful questions about God, uh, all sorts of odd and bizarre questions like children do, but they're beautiful questions. And when the day comes that he says, Mom and Dad, what was God doing before he created the world? Uh, You tell him, well, Shepard, God was thinking of you. He was thinking about how much he loves you and the lengths he would go to save you and make you his own. And he was thinking about how he would win you back, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood. And as Shepherd grows up, I want you to keep bringing him back to these green pastures, to this flock, so that he learns about his shepherd. And when the day comes that Shepherd grows up, when he's enticed by this world, when he begins to doubt or falter, if he wanders away from the Lord who loved him and redeemed him, I want you to keep praying for him. Keep speaking God's word boldly to him and don't shy away from it because the words of Jesus, the voice of Jesus never scares away his sheep, but it only brings them closer to him. When those days come, I want you to turn not to yourself, not to your ability. Don't uh, turn to anything else, but you rely solely upon Jesus. You keep trusting what he says and you remember what he told you in the Old Testament lesson so long ago. He says, I, yes, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed. So that no matter how far you go, how far you wander away, the Lord will find you as he found you today. And he will seek after you and find you again and again and again. Dear saints, this is true not only for shepherd, but it's true for all of you who were straying away like sheep. You were at one point lost 
and God has brought you back to his fold through his word alone. And it wasn't a method or a program. It wasn't a building or a style or a gimmick or any such thing. What brought you back was his voice, was his word, the very word of Jesus preached into your heart. And it's the same voice that tells you that you have a God who loves you more than words can express. You have a God who not only knew of your salvation, but who caused it and ordained it. I know how much you guys long for heaven, how much you long for the last day to see an end to all of this grief and pain and sadness. But no matter how much you long for it, Jesus has longed for it even more. He wanted to save you. He has wanted to save you more than you could even want to be saved. He has wanted to wipe away your tears from your eyes more than you could begin to imagine. And when that final day comes, dear saints, when all of God's people who have been baptized into Christ throughout all time and in all places, and those who have been fed on the the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ are gathered together before him on that final day, God will overwhelm you with joy. And still... No matter how much joy you have, Jesus will have even more. When he brings you to him once and for all on that final day, he will be happier and more joyful than all of heaven and earth combined. On the last day of this world, you will see what Jesus had planned since before the first day of this world. So Will and Kaylee and Benedict and Shepherd. And all saints in Christ, may God strengthen your faith this day and give you the comfort that your salvation depends completely and solely upon Christ, your dear Lord, your good shepherd who laid his life down for you. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. Lord, my shepherd, take me to thee. Thou art mine. I was thine even ere I knew thee. I am thine, for thou hast bought me. Lost I stood, but thy blood free salvation brought me. Thou art mine, I love and own thee. Light of joy, never shall I from my heart dethrone thee. Savior, let me soon behold thee. Face to face, may thy grace evermore enfold me. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.